Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome to The Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Today is Tuesday, August 31st. I'm going to start including that in the intros because we're going to have a lot of shows coming your way, not only this week, but in the coming weeks. And I'm very excited today to welcome my good friend, Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. So this is a year from our first NFC, or, or our first preview, I should say. I don't want any spoilers. You can give it <laughs> away. We're, we're doing the NFC North preview today. Of course we're doing NFC North, which is a, you know, the... Uh, uh, the successor to the NFC Central, which was our childhood in middle school and all that. So this is a division that holds dear to us. Even if I'm not a fan of any of the teams right now, I did was I did have fandom for two of these teams. So this division, the black and blue division, is kind of near and dear to my heart. So this is where we started the show in late August of last year. It was me and you previewing the NFC North. A lot has stayed the same. That's why we're doing this again and starting off with the right. NFC North as we roll through these division previews, which is what we're going to be doing here over the next two weeks. But a lot has also changed over the last year. If you guys saw on Twitter today, I announced the new schedule that we're going to have for the 2021 season. So just to run it through very quickly, Sunday nights into Monday mornings, same deal as last year. Me and you just going deep on nonsense. If you guys want to watch it live on YouTube, that is going to be an option for you every single week. Come hang out with us on Sunday nights. You're going to be buzzing anyway. You might as well hang out with us because you're. I know you're not going to bed. If you exactly. want the podcast version, it'll be available to you on Monday mornings the same way that it always is. Tuesdays, we're going to have a mailbag coming to you guys every single week. We're also going to include a voicemail line that we're going to put out here in the next couple of weeks or so, so you guys can call in. We'll use some of the voicemails on the show. It's just going to be a rotating cast of the athletic friends, let's call them. Sando will be on there. She will be on there. We'll have some of our team writers on there that I know. So really just trying to have your guys' impact and feedback as part of the show. You do such a good job with the questions every time we do a mailbag. Just made sense to do one every single week. Wednesday, we're going to have a big picture guest similar to what we had last year. Kind of think about the shows I did with Barnwell every once in a while. Just looking at the league and, you know, some awards, some where is this thing going? That'll be back. But on top of that, we are also going to have a weekly segment with all pro offensive linemen, my friend Mitchell Schwartz, which I'm very excited about. Mitch is a buddy. He has been for a while. He's also one of the most, one of the smartest, most thoughtful NFL players I've ever gotten the opportunity to talk with. If you guys follow him on Twitter, you know that he's not afraid to say some stuff about what's going on, his thoughts about X's and O's, team dynamics, whatever it's going to be. I think you guys are going to get a kick out of his perspective every single week. Thursday, it's going to be me and Lindsay, the same way it was last year. We're going to be folding in our team writer segment into that Thursday show instead of Wednesday. I think you guys are really going to enjoy that as it's set up. And then Fridays, you're back, buddy. We're yeah. doing a deep dive preview that we did not have last year. 
We're going to be doing a deep dive preview that we did not have last year. Very excited about that because it's another opportunity to nerd out about bullshit. And Shokapati is going to be joining us every single week for a gambling segment that I think both you guys, the listeners, and us are going to have a lot of fun with. Saturdays, as it currently stands, it's already happening. The Football GM is on the Athletic feed for subscribers, and it's on the Apple Plus feed if you guys want to subscribe to the podcast for bonus content. Mike and Randy Mueller are doing that every single week for you, so please check that out. And the last bit of housekeeping, this spring, Dane Brugler, Lance Zerline, Prospects to Pros is going to be part of the feed when draft season starts cranking up. So not before the spring, this winter when draft season starts. That's all we got, but I wanted to lay that all out for you now that it's official so you guys could be as excited as I am because I'm really looking forward to this version of the show. We really wanted to crank it up in year two. They allowed us to do it. I'll probably regret it by week 14 or so, but right now I've got enough energy to be excited about it. You're going to need a bye week. We got we got 17 weeks now, man. 18 now. 18 yeah. weeks. Woo. You're going to need a bye week somewhere in there. We'll get you on like week 12 or something like that. But the no, that I'm glad for those Friday shows because it's like so much we do those Sunday live shows and how many times we go, well, we got to see it back. We'll watch it on film. That's we'll exactly watch Ultimate right. 2. watch Game Pass. And then that's what that Friday show is going to be so great because it's now it's we're confirming or kind of getting more information on something that a question we might've had from Sunday or something we had to correct. Like we, I've done it millions of times where I'm dogging somebody Sunday night or watching it live. And then afterwards you watch the film, and you go, Oh, that, that wasn't such a bad call. So-and-so fell down or, or the quarterback was really wrong there and, and should have gone the other way or the protection was messed up, but anything like that, where we can kind of just continue a conversation or point out new things that we saw. So I'm fired up plus the gambling show, plus everything with Lindsay, plus just plus Mitch. It's going to be, it's going to be a really fun season. I'm, I'm fired up. And yeah, it's the NFC North. I'm really looking forward <laughs> to it before we do any of that though. Let's do this NFC North preview. This is where we're starting, and we're going to start with the Bears because I don't. I think last year we didn't start with the Bears. I think we, we started not. with the Lions because I did. I purposely didn't want to start with the Bears, but now that Justin Fields is here, I'm totally okay with the Bears being the first team. All yeah. right, so let's start there. I think if we're looking at the main issues with this team, the things that are the most interesting about this team, you have to obviously start with the quarterback. And the question is, when will he play? When should he play? I've talked about this a lot with a lot of different people. I have not talked about it with you. So I'm genuinely curious, where do you stand on when he should play and what the factors should be that go into that decision? Isn't that funny too? Because I had this conversation a few times and then I didn't realize you and I haven't spoke about it until like (laughs) we had a meeting about something else. And all of a sudden we were like, oh shoot, we got to talk about this. But with Fields, I... I've gone on a couple shows now, but what my feeling with this, and I'm just a big believer in it. And again, this is easy for me to say, not being the decision maker, having to do this, but I've always been a big believer in kind of just going in full measure, no half measures. And why I say that is you just go with the quarterback that you think you're going to go the whole year with. So that to me is Justin Fields. So I think even how it lines up with week one, everything going against the Rams or, you know, promises that you might have made to Andy Dalton in the offseason or any of those types of things. I just think it helps a whole franchise, coaching staff, personnel staff, players, auxiliary staff, like when you know who the guy is, you know, long term who you think the guy is going to be. But it just kind of helps the maybe stop the whisper club and can really help a team. And I think Andy Dalton is a great vet to have on any roster as a starter or a backup. Um, but that's where, you know, that's why the the 
decision makers get paid the big bucks. That's why they make their money is because they have to have hard conversations like this. If you are, you know, their coaching staff or their GM and having to talk to Andy Dalton that, hey, you might not be starting, but I know they already announced that Andy Dalton is starting week one, yada, yada, yada. But watching Justin Fields, I haven't seen anything that's concerned me that he can't handle starting from week one. I think he is a mentally sharp dude. I think there is some protection stuff he'll have to get better with as it goes on. That's maybe his biggest weakness that I see right now. But as far as creating and as far as just all the throws he's making, how he's progressing on plays and how his eyes are, how he's handling the snap or not the snap, but handling just the operation of the offense. Just he looks good. I mean, I think that everything that I thought in the pre-draft process, I just haven't seen any hiccups. And I, again, this is preseason film. I haven't been there watching practice every single day, but I just think you go with him week one and you let him take his lumps because I think it's a guy that he's going to be able to excel because he can create. And we saw that great throw at the end of the half, but he can do those things, but he also can do the real quarterback things at a pretty high level for a rookie. That's what I think. And that's why I just think it helps the whole franchise to just go. This is what the guy we're going with. And we're going to roll from there. Is there anything that surprised you with the way that he's looked? Because I agree. A lot of the stuff that we saw in the pre-draft process and why you and I both really liked him. We've seen a lot of that. That's what I said after that first game and everyone was freaking out. They're like, what'd you think? And I was like, I think he looks like the guy I thought he'd look like. This is, <laughs> I'm so excited. This is not new to me. So is there anything that you feel like has snuck up on you a little bit though as you've watched it? No, I wouldn't say anything snuck up, but it's kind of made some, maybe some issues with the Bears more glaring, <laughs> um, which I'll That's get, to. I'm I'll at, get to in a minute. Yeah, I'll get that in a sec. But as far as fields, though, just sticking with him, um, nothing, nothing has cropped up that weren't concerns before or that. I thought were pluses before that have continued to be pluses. And that's his, his aggressiveness is be able to create his accuracy, which has still maintained his accuracy at all three levels. He's done that. Um, and honestly, just mental wise, like I, I've, I saw him maybe bust two reads in three games. I watched of him, which is, which is pretty good. You want that to be zero, of course, but for a rookie, it's pretty freaking good. And I get it's Dave week one concepts, but he missed one RPO read and actually wasn't even that bad because the pressure was coming from the opposite side. And then another one where his eyes just hung too long. And then he still almost completed the throw. But it's like he's doing what I thought he could do. And I, that's why I graded him so high. And again, it's preseason, yada, yada, yada. But nothing that I've seen fields has really kind of surprised me, good or bad. It's kind of like maintained the, that high expectation I had for him. Here's my reasoning for why I think you could sit him that's out for a couple of weeks. The offensive line looks awful. It's not even just the concerns about the personnel. They look terrible. Did you see that clip that Baldy posted of like those four or five plays where Fetty's just whiffing in pass protection? They have no idea what they're doing on these combinations. And I understand it could get better, but that's why I would just give it a month to get better. No one's going to remember a year from now that he didn't play until week four. No one. No one is going to remember that. I just don't think it matters that much. And you say, what can change from week one to week four? Why wouldn't you just start him right away? Afedi hasn't practiced. He literally came back to practice last week. James Daniels is playing a new position at right guard. Give them a month worth of practices. I know camp is a better time to hone that stuff. You're not going full go and practice every single day. But still, give them four weeks to work on some of that timing and feel more comfortable next to each other. That group has not practiced a lot together. Jason Peters just got there like two weeks ago. I was there. Oh the day got there. It was so weird to see him on film. I saw him. I got left tackled. I was like, what? that's Jason Peters. That's right. I just think that there's no downside to giving that group a couple more weeks to coalesce and to feel a little bit more secure playing next to one another because it does not look good right now. And hopefully that's just a product 
of preseason discomfort and preseason jitters and lack of time together and all that stuff. But there's a chance it's not. There's a chance this group is just bad the whole year. I don't think that concern should keep him out for the entire season, but I still don't think there's a huge downside to waiting a month and then putting him in there or waiting three weeks and putting him in there in week four. I, that's just what I would do because, again, I just don't think that there's a drawback to approaching it that way. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's hard to look some of your defensive players in the eye and some of the other guys in the eye if they know the other guys better. But I think that's if you let it linger for like half the season, that becomes a huge problem. Yeah, and you might get the built-in quick hook like you know if you put Dalton out there then it's kind of built in if he struggles and it's like well yeah. we had to play the rookie but you because that's the thing you, that's the thing about being a head coach or being a GM is you have to handle all these personalities I I'm assuming Andy Dalton would be great about it I don't know like I don't know I don't know who how everyone would handle a situation like that but even talking with the protection stuff like not just talent level just it's really scary to watch this Bears offensive line just point out protections and just get things lined up. We're, we're not even talking about the Justin Fields getting his head taken off a couple of weeks ago. And that we've talked about, it could have been center, could have been quarterback, but it's like, whatever they, they had the point wrong. Whoever decides it had the point wrong this past week. He got the ball out. It was a quick hitch. I'm going to write about it in a couple of days, but he throws a quick hitch and on the protection, it's one of the most obvious looks where the offensive line, uh, it was a five-man protection on this, and a five-man protection, the offensive line is three-man slide away from the backside. It's just how the math works out. But no one changed it. And it was one of the most obvious looks that a center, who is going to be their starting center, didn't change it. And it's like preseason, this should have been a nice rep, easy rep for him. And Fields got the ball out because he's a quick operator, even though people say he hangs on the ball. No, he's not. He's a quick operator, gets the ball out. And the guy would have been a clean shot on him. And that is really scary to me now that it's been three weeks in a row that any time they've gotten empty protection, five-man protection, they've had clean free runners on looks that there shouldn't be free runners. That's what's scary. And now you have starters playing and they're missing it. I get it. It's preseason. That's where you, this is good. That's the, uh, the optimist. You always go, oh, it's good film. It's good teaching film. You know, it's good teaching film. We'll teach it. Now it's good. We got it on film. Now we can teach off of it because they're in the game. But it's like, We've ha- you've had good teaching film for a couple of weeks now, <laughs> so that's got to get fixed. And that's a little scary to me that if the mental side isn't there along with the physical abilities, that that can lead to a lot. And that's kind of the Bears offense the last few years. It's no one gets design- better. No one gets no, better. No one gets better. Where's the coach? The receivers, I posted them today. The receivers are short on routes. Like, and that's what's making fields look late. And I I am going to be a some fields defender there or quarterback defender there. But it's like, I would call that out if that was wrong. There's no receiver in the world that has run a three-yard out route, even on a quick out. <laughs> that's supposed to be a 10-yard <laughs> out route. And that's like those little things. That's why the Bears offense always looks so hard. Because the person, if the personnel isn't there, at least coach it up. How many times has Kyle Shanahan made scrub receivers or running backs look decent because they all know where the freaking line up and how deep to run their routes? It's like that's where the kind of coaching comes into play. So Marquez just- Callaway looks like a monster for the Saints. Like it just there is none of that. There it, it doesn't happen, and I, that's the most frustrating hard. part. Is that even it if we're excited hard. about him, nothing else has changed. Ever yep. the, the way that they approach their offense, the way that. This, this coaching staff operates, what we get out of offensive players in this franchise, none of that has changed. Everything else is the same. Justin Fields is just here. And that's right. why it's hard for me to work up a lot of enthusiasm about it because I just have such little faith in the support system around him. So it's going to hang over it until it doesn't. 
right? I mean, yeah. that's, it's going to be a concern until it shouldn't be anymore. And that's why I just don't know how to exactly feel about this season. Like, I hope he looks good. I don't really know what to expect otherwise offensively. On defense. Dread. You yeah, dread. I mean, it's I am I am a little <laughs> bit concerned, Like, right? Like yeah. it's you try to balance this excitement you have for this guy with this concern that you have for everything else around him. Yep. And that's what I have right now. So let's look at the defense, because I think that's the other huge question, right? Is can this group rebound under Sean Desai? Because if you look at the way things were trending during the second half of last season, they were going in the wrong direction. Over the second half of the year, this team finished 20th in EPA per play on defense, and they're getting worse. You lose a guy like Kyle Fuller. You lose depth guys like Roy Robertson Harris. You get Eddie Goldman back, which is nice. But for the most part, the personnel on this defense hasn't improved. I was talking to Kevin Fishbane today. He's one of our Bears writers at The Athletic. And I was asking him who he thinks the, how the corners are going to shake out. He kind of threw up his hands. It's like, it's August 30th. We, like, this is still a question. <laughs> Don't even feel. But it is. But it is. And I mean, obviously he had an answer, but it, yeah, it yeah. wasn't a satisfactory answer. And yeah. I mean, this is a group where... I don't know, is Duke Shelley going to be the nickelback on this team? And Desmond Trufant is one of the outside corners. I mean, it's yeah. it's a real tough situation. They have strengths in other areas of the roster, but I just think it's going to be really difficult. The pathways to this team being a top eight defense again, to me, are kind of hard to find. I think they could get there. You know, I think they still have enough talent where if they do some really impressive things schematically and they put those guys in positions to succeed, which we'll get to in a little bit, I think it's possible. But I'm not just penciling in that this is going to be a top 10 defense again, because there are a lot of personnel concerns. And that's kind of where I think they hover is that eight to 12 range as a defense is because more of that above average to good. And it's like more pat like I think that was a great way to put it, the pathways, because all the paths of this kind of defense points to just good as opposed to a elite game changing game wrecking defense that they were a couple of years ago. I mean, not many are like that. I mean, a Jackson could turn some plays and I, Khalil Mack. OK, of course, we have Khalil Mack. OK, so that that's fantastic. That's great. And maybe a defense that's going to highlight him more, get him kind of better situations and they just kind of have a bunch of other guys a little bit and that's what it kind of just seems like and not not bad players in some spots you know of course Keem Hicks but Roquan Smith Robert Quinn's fine but that like you just said the fact that they might be counting on Desmond Trufant who hasn't practiced in like three weeks or whatever it was I don't think he's like done much I think he's gone for personal reasons right now but it's like if you're relying on that to maybe make plays for you to cover people might be dicey, <laughs> might be a little dicey on the defense ball. And that's supposed to be the strength of your team. I mean, and that's what's a little scary that if you have question marks, what's supposed to be your your breadwinner, like the one that's going to keep you in games, keep other teams under 21 points. It's like, that's just scary to, to who are who are you going to rely on outside Khalil? And I think losing a guy like Fuller, like you brought up, that's like, that's more painful than I think they realize at the moment right now. I think they are going to realize how painful losing a, a tangible corner about six weeks in is going to really hit them. I think the interior of the defensive line is a real strength. Like the combination of Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Bilal Nichols, and Mario Edwards is a really good group of players. So I think the question is, how do you build around that? And can you do a lot of that muddying up the fronts type stuff where you're playing a gap and a half on those guys and it allows you to do some cool stuff on the back end? The problem is, if there's a world where they try to take Danny Trevathan off the field and play with one linebacker, because I think in a lot of passing situations at this stage of his career, that would make a lot of sense. Who's the other defensive back that you're bringing in? Yeah. I mean, it's just, there aren't a lot of combinations in the back seven 
no matter how you choose to deploy those resources that you can feel good about. And that's my concern. So I don't know. It's just those, the combinations of 11 players, I'm not overly enthusiastic about them, no matter how they're going to shake out. Yeah, I, I, do, I do know that the Tonga, the seventh round rookie, I know our friend Joseph Segato was pretty high on him coming cool, into the Cool, another interior defensive lineman. Can he play corner? I was, just about, I was just, just about to say he can't cover anybody, but, you know, a nice little cherry on top for his 12 snaps. He'll play at the nose <laughs> throughout the game. But I know but it's a great point. It's like the strength of your team is not really where you want it to be. Like, you know, it's not the whole bunch of pass rush. It's more like the stoutness and more just kind of like a bunch of good, good players as opposed to, I don't know. It's just... It's not the game-changing defense. And I just kind of keep saying that. It's like just if you're how they're going to have to win, they need a lot of more tangible difference makers. And I, I, I think that's the best way to put it. It's almost like they need a number two just on their defense. They have a whole bunch of number threes and fours. They're like solid pieces. Uh, but I, I think that's kind of how I'm describing the Bears defense. So long story short, I'm just not as optimistic as I've been about their defense the last couple of years. I think it's just harder to flip the math in advantageous ways, right? Like the, the Rams weren't loaded to, from top to bottom defensively. You know, you have guys like Darius Williams and Troy Hill, whose stars certainly rose because of what they did last year. But the Rams could do something on the back end where by putting Jalen Ramsey on one side, you're really overloading the other side. Mm-hmm. The Bears don't have the math flipper on the back end of their defense. So a lot of the stuff we saw from that team, you just can't do. And I think that there are a lot, there's going to be, be a world where they're running some overload fronts and getting some one-on-ones for Khalil Mack and their pass rush is the strength of their team. And they're going to need it to be. On the back end, the one thing I would like to see, I think the Bears last year were a perfect example of why just taking copy and paste from certain types of defenses doesn't work. Like the Bears mm. led the league in cover six dropbacks last year. They were 100, they're 137 and they were just ahead of the Broncos and the Rams. But just because you're running cover six doesn't mean you're running Vic Fangio's defense, right? They were right. right in the middle of the road when it came to two high shells. They're just not using their guys in interesting ways. Like I don't, Eddie Jackson spent a third of his snaps last year in the box. It's a waste. Yeah, it's just a waste. waste. It just, I, I want to see him playing from depth or he's lining up in the box and playing the deep half or like playing quarters and cover six. It's like, then he's not playing downhill, which was where he's yeah. good at. It's like, I just want to see him back in that spot where he's playing from depth all the time and he can play downhill and be the player he was in 2018 when he was great. And so maybe if they're playing at more of that too high shell, which all the offensive coaches I've talked to around the league that about the bears, they expect him to do a lot of the Fangio stuff. They don't know for certain, but I I was just talking to a play caller last night. He's like, you you think he's going to run the Fangio stuff, right? And I was like, I legitimately don't know. You probably know better than I do. So if they're doing that and they're playing a lot of that too high show and they're letting Eddie Jackson be that guy. And then maybe you're scheming up more one-on-ones with Mac because of all the players you have on the front. There's a world where those two guys are the best versions of themselves. Again, the question is, is that enough? to take this team from a middling defense at the end of last year to a top 10 defense again. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Oh, Jackson's so much fun too. Like he's like, he's like one of the more fun defenders to watch, even if he's not the star star because he just makes plays. He's just one of those guys that's just around the ball. And I, I think what you're saying too, is him being back there in the quarter shell. It's not just playing deep. Uh, how you're saying it is coming up too. And I think maybe sometimes if you close your eyes, you're thinking, Oh, he's in the box. It's like this. Also when that, this Fangio defense allows their safeties to cut things. 
Yes. That's like you're saying. That's why I'm saying. I'm just pigeon, uh, dovetailing off of what you're saying is if they get in that two-eye shell and he's able to cut things, cut crossers, that's being a de facto robber, essentially. And it's like in those types of situations, that's where it's just like he can just do shit. It's just like you're saying, unlock a guy like him, unlock Mac. Yeah, it's not Jalen Ramsey on the corner, you know, just locking down half a field, but it is still something that we're highlighting a good player. And that, but that's what I was kind of getting at too. It was just like, I just don't see that guy that's going to make offenses go, oh shit, we got to account for so-and-so. And it's more like, oh no, they're fine. They're good, solid defense. You know, we got 52. Uh, you know, we always got to account for him, chip help on, on Mac. And then it's like the rest of them is just like, oh, okay, we, we just play ball. When you don't, you're not making offenses worried is what is always concerning. And uh, but I do think the defense at least at least it looks like it's going to be tangibly better at least schematically or at least a little little more varied in, in their looks. Even if you're not playing, you don't have to play quarters or cover six. Even if you're playing no. single high coverages and you're starting from that shell and you're allowing yep. him to come down into the crossers and play downhill, that's fine. It, it, this this idea that these two high safeties mean you need to play all these two high coverages is wrong. Like that's just wrong. not that's not what it's about. It's, you can vary them as much as you want to, but I think playing a guy like that from depth just gives him a chance to be the best version of himself. I think the, yeah. the big thing on defense is, if, if because we have concerns about the coverage, they're going to need to generate pressure. They were 22nd in the league last year, according to pro football reference and pressure rate. You can't do that when you are comfortably the number one team in the NFL and spending on edge rushers. And when you're only spending it on two guys, it's not yeah. like the Bills who have seven edge rushers now. The Bears are number one in the NFL in, D- in edge rusher spending this year. $52 million, 27% of their cap. It's all on two guys. That's a little top heavy, a little stars and scrubs. I think it's like, <laughs> that is like I mean, that's extreme. That is like, I, I've never heard anything like that on two guys. That's like, I, I've heard it maybe, oh, okay, they spent like so much money on their D-line. It's all this. But like on two guys and it's just the same spots. And one of them, and I, I love Hicks and everything, but it's like, you know, it's, there's others. You know, there's like, you know, Mac is obviously you're going to pay him. But it's just like the other guys, it's like, uh, if you're going to spend well, that much money, you better, better be getting 30 sacks out of it. That's the problem. It's the, it's the Quinn yeah. money. I mean, it's it's the Quinn yeah. money and just the lack of production last year. And that, yeah. that's the issue is that those sorts of mistakes permeate this team. I mean, it's, you just see it everywhere. You see, again, this goes back to the Justin Fields stuff. Just because he's there, it doesn't solve every problem. It, the, the mistakes that they've made continue to haunt them. Deciding that they were going to trade up for Tevin Jenkins and then cutting Charles Leno and just saying, you know, we're yeah. just going to roll with this. I, whatever you think of Charles Leno, it's a risky decision and a risky way to approach that position. And then you just look at the total lack of young pieces on this team because they've just traded away picks at every single turn. And that stuff is there. Like it hasn't gone away just because Justin Fields is there. All right. We're going to do a few categories for each team. Some rapid fire ones at the end. Let's get through these. Who is one guy on the Bears that you cannot wait to watch this season? You can say the guy. Okay. Uh, I'll say my obvious answer is Justin Fields. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's pretty much where this goes. I, yeah. For all of the pessimism I have about the supporting cast, I, I am so thrilled to, at the prospect of watching him. Like, I just can't. It is going to make every Bears game must watch in a way that it just wouldn't have otherwise. This team is so exactly. much more compelling because he's there, and it just didn't have to be this way. All right. Biggest X factor on the Bears. I think this means just a guy who could be instrumental to their success that maybe people aren't thinking about. Somebody that's going to have a big role in whether they end up succeeding or failing on one side of the ball. 
and honestly, it was Eddie Jackson, and that that's kind of what I'm going with. It's a good I, one. I'm so it was just so great that we talked about it right there. I was kind of like, oh, perfect. This is exactly what I was going to lead to. But yeah, I just think him excelling in this system will just unlock that whole defense, or at least and the optimist view. That's how you hope it will unlock the whole defense because I think that's a great way to utilize him, and he can be a difference maker. And uh, but for them to be a good, even better than good defense, they need guys like him to excel to not just be a good player, but to excel in that role. I had some combination of Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney. I, whoever ends up being the secondary pass catcher on this team, they need it desperately. It's a team that didn't play that much 12 personnel last year. They did it more than they did in 2019, but still fairly middling. When you look at the percentages, I would assume they play a lot more of it this year to get Graham and Komet on the field, especially without a defined third receiver on this team. And then we'll see if Mooney takes a step forward. I like him as a player. I think he's got a lot of juice to him. I think with Justin Fields, we could see a different version of Darnell Mooney, one that I'm excited about. But I just think they really need that secondary pass catcher, that even third pass catcher to emerge for them to be viable on offense when you consider the offensive line concerns. What is one reason that you think the Bears will be better than we think in 2021? <laughs> um Justin Fields plays like a god and uh, carries the team like a rookie Andrew Locke. I would say that and... Khalil Mack reminding us that he's Khalil Mack. Uh, I would say those two, the stars playing like stars, uh, or I think Justin Fields, if he has sensed that kind of like, oh, potential star level, and Khalil plays like how I think he could play, I think that's when they can really get rolling. And uh, the defense kind of lets them – the defense looks better than what we're talking about right now, and then Justin Fields does everything that I hope that he th- – uh, that I do actually not just hope, but do think that he can do as a pro. I'd say that Sean Desai gets the most out of this entire defense. You see the best versions of some of these guys and those few stars that they do have can lift that entire unit. I think that's a big one. One reason they'd be worse than we think they might be. Um, I've just, everything that I brought up where it's not just personnel, it's just the scheme that they're running, especially yeah. on offense is that it's where they can't even block anyone. They can't, anytime they get pressured, it's, it's pressure, just not it's not getting blocked up. doesn't matter who it is out there. It's actually schematically they have their issues. And, you know, some fields isn't ready. He isn't hits the pessimist view and, and or he gets hurt. And or if Dalton, they get in some weird no man's land with Dalton. Uh, I think that's and they just hang in 500 land uh, or worse than 500 land, I should say. Uh, but, yeah, that's uh, I guess that's more than one reason. <laughs> but a litany. <laughs> it was simple for me. Justin Fields can't solve an offense that's rotting at its core. I mean, it's all the other stuff. And there's absolutely a chance that. That's that's what happens. I know. That's scary. (laughs) When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's get to the Green Bay Packers, a team that we have talked about a lot this offseason for a bunch of different reasons. 
to me, I mean, the big question with this team is pretty simple. Can they sustain their offensive dominance and tweak it just enough while improving their defense to the point that they can push anybody in the league? Is it more complicated than that to you? Nope. I, I that's I think that none of the concerns are really offensively. I mean, I, I have a couple I might mention, but I would say it's really steady as you go on the offense and and just keep going as we're going. And it's really more the defensive side that like we hope to improve it to be a legit, legit contender, even though they were such a good team the last couple of seasons. I think offensively, it, it's kind of like, I mean, receivers, they have so many playable receivers, like it, not just Devontae Adams, but it's like we keep saying like we need somebody to be that number two kind of guy for them. But it's like it's funny in the sense that like all these guys are pretty good at like one or two things and they're not like complete receivers. They have a lot like, of specialists. It's like, they have, yeah, yeah. It's like the Dave Matthews It's like Matthews when you're band. assembling a crew for a heist movie. Like they, yes. all the Packers guys play one specific role <laughs> in pulling exactly off the it. heist. I mean, seriously, they like can rotate these guys in. It's like, I mean, all right, Lazard, you're blocking. All right, Randall Cobb, when you just slot, do a little thing. And I mean, it's just like every single one of these guys. MVS, all right, go vertical. Okay, just one-offs, just one-offs. I like, I I was comparing some Dave Matthews band. I wasn't even a fan of them, but I know their shtick where it's just Dave Matthews and then just his dudes. Like, you know, that's kind of, it's, that's our receiver room. It's Devontae Adams. I was Adams not expecting just, a Dave Matthews band reference on the podcast today. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> it's because I saw a tweet about them, so they're on my brain. <laughs> so, uh, but no, with with that, it's like it's kind of. I mean, Devontae Adams, I consider the best receiver, and but this rest of his room, it's a bunch of fine players, but maybe none of those kind of real, real number two types. It's more of like a bunch of three, four, fives, which isn't a bad thing. And also, just you know, everybody else, the old line. This is kind of going more into it. Might be more of a question mark than I think we realize. Absolutely, um, yeah. And I don't, and even kind of like one of those where I've kind of looked at it more and more and more. You know, Bakhtiari coming off the knee having a rookie center is never the most fun thing to go into a season with, even if you do draft them high, um, like they did with Josh Myers in the second round. But having Rodgers will help that and having vets all around, of course. But having Rodgers kind of nullify what we talked about with Fields, this is the flip side of it, is I think in those systems, they put a little bit on the QBs, but it's like you have a rookie QB. You got to know what the hell is going on, you know, as a center. having Now being a rookie center, I think he'll be fine. But having Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback, that's been pointing out protections for a decade plus now that's going to just help that it's going to maybe nullify that maybe weakness early on at least as he gets kind of his feet wet uh, but you know it's just kind of right tackle's always been a swinging door there it's or not always but lately and it's just kind of i don't know it's more of a concern than maybe i thought luckily rogers gets the ball quick and he's a quick operator so you're not as worried the run game is a safer run game where they run some more outside zone. They run a little bit of everything, but it's they're pretty good about not putting their guys on islands or not in bad positions. T- tight end-wise, they have a true wide Mercedes Lewis, which helps because you want to run outside zone. I know they don't. that's not their major. They do duo. They do other stuff, split zone stuff. But having a blocking Y that can help set the edge, that's going to just help your run game so much more. And Tanyan's a fine option in the pass game. And then running back-wise, I, I, I'm a big fan of Kylan Hill. Uh, the rookie from the seventh yeah, round rookie from really Michigan well State. He's had a great preseason. Yeah. I'm pretty fired up. Yeah, uh, I think it'd be a good third down back for him. I love the running back room. Just Aaron Jones has been banged up, but AJ Dillon, like he's talented. Uh, just a big back. It, fun little, kind of fun little mixture of backs in their room. It's a fun offense, again, but he just kind of always keep in the back of your mind is the O line ever going to come up where it's glaring, where it's back to Ari is going to take a couple months and it's maybe they have to provide more chip help. Than they're used to and it can't get all five guys out they maybe have to be a little safer in the passing game than they have in the past i think that's a really good point and 
what happens with his timeline is going to matter because they it could make them worse at two positions, right? Because Jenkins is yeah. playing left tackle right now. Yeah. So if Jenkins plays left tackle, if you have John Runyon or Lucas Patrick, who ends up being their left guard, Royce Freeman, one of the rookies, looks incredible at right guard so far, which is these guys, <laughs> Packers are pulling out <laughs> mid-round guards out of the woodwork again. But it's still, I think, a concern because right tackle, like you mentioned, Billy Turner's there. You know, whatever you think of Billy Turner, it's he's not one of the better right tackles in the league. So you have all these things starting to pile on top of one another. I can understand that. But if Bakhtiari is back a couple weeks into the season, you can move Jenkins back to guard. Freeman's good right away. Like you mentioned with Myers, it's just a different situation playing center for this team. Is so much less is on you. I mean, Rodgers can do everything associated with the offense and wants to. So I think there's a world where they solve it pretty quickly, but as it currently stands right now, it is a question mark. Mm Offensively, this team is so fascinating. I think that last year you saw them settle into the version that they wanted to be, right? Play action percentage cranked up through the roof. It was the highest in the NFL, I want to say. And then their motion percentages were the, some of the highest in the NFL. It was just the a more complicated, denser version of what they had run in year one under LaFleur. And I think Rodgers' buy-in was a huge part of what they ended up being offensively. They've come up in every conversation I've had with a coach over the last month, just elements of it. Like we want to use a little bit more jet motion in this very specific way that the Packers did, or was talking about the chargers and what they want to do with Herbert. They're going to have aspects of that RPO game that the Packers have because mm-hmm. Staley watched it. He watched what that gives you as a quarterback in that playoff game. And I think that teams are looking at them as one of the kind of guiding lights and North stars of what the offenses in the NFL should be, which shouldn't be surprised to anyone, but it's still nice to have that confirmed when you're actually digging into it. So my favorite stat about the Packers offense last year is one of my favorite stats I found in so long. Rogers was second in the NFL in percentage of his throws at or behind the line of scrimmage. was 30.2% behind only Alex Smith. Okay. Which that's just, that's the RPO game, right? That's natural. Yeah. It's, it's, it. it's him just playing point guard, dipping out. All right. Yep. If I, yep. I have, I have an unfavorable box here. I'm going to flip it out to Devonte. We're going to get six yards on first down. We're going to keep playing. He's willing to do that all the time. He was also second in the percentage of his passes that went 20 or more yards in the air. So you have this offense that's half bombs away. Tom Brady was the only <laughs> one ahead of him, by the way, 43 year old Tom Brady. So you have this offense that's half bombs away, half him just, chucking at the guys in the flat and them just Love picking it. up five. It's an amazing blend of stuff. And when you yeah. watch them, it feels like that, right? They have those bombs, mm-hmm. but they can play ball control if they want to. And being able to do both of those things, I think is just such an advantage. It's shooting threes and shooting layups. That's, yeah. <laughs> yep. that's really what that's exactly it is. What it is. <laughs> and, and what's so cool about some of those RPOs, they'll do a lot of one man RPOs too, which just advantage reads with Devonte Adams. Yep. And it's one of those where it's like, that's, it's hard to emulate too, but, you know, you think of the Chargers too. They got they got a pretty good receiver Keenan Allen that can win some of those one on one RPOs um, if they want to do it. And a quarterback then get it out there. That's what's really cool with their stuff. And they added some more vertical drop back. I guess is a good way to put it. Um, where you know the all go RB seam stuff that they built off the jet motion. Like they started tying in some of the drop back game with some of the stuff they were doing on the play action or run game. Which is that's how you know an offense is clicking when it, they look at the, the certain snaps are setting up other snaps when you're running that. 20 pony that pony personnel with two running backs and doing the jet motion without you know just a normal jet sweep look and then the next time you run it's a drop back pass where he's going up the seam that's when an offense gets really really scary when they take the kind of fun ideas and then it's just like boom okay now they're building off each other formationally motion personnel and like we said 
when you have a bunch of rotational receivers like they do, and I, I mean that as a compliment, you can really mess with defenses and building off tendencies where you can just go like, well, every time Lazard's in the game, they're going to block. They're going to run duo. Okay, all right. Well, we know he's in. All right, 13's in. He's motioning down. All right. Hey, safety, trigger down on it. And all of a sudden he does it and then you run a play action. Runs right past them. The, yeah. Runs right past them. One of those boom. insert play actions. Yep. Just like they got, you know, the Bucks did to them last year with Godwin. But, and I do trust LaFleur that he knows that type of stuff. Like that's what good offenses do. They don't just play on, oh, we just ran it three times in a row. Then it's three uh, three times in a row. So now we have to run a play action. It's okay. Now we ran it three times in a row. That play action has to look like those three runs. Okay. Now it has to be, now they're coming out of the same formation. Now it's, now it comes out of the same personnel grouping. Now it comes the same, mo- you know, like all those little details start merging, merging, merging. And that's the detail coaches know how to do that. We've, Last few months, we've really gotten to gush about Sean Payton. That's one of the greatest things he does is tying all that in together and manipulating the defense based on Traquan Smith in there, Taysom Hill at tight end, this snap, you know, just random dudes, but yeah. it really messes with defenses because they key in on that stuff. It's almost like the better the co- defensive coaching staff is, the more advantage the offense has, which is the irony of it all. But that's why I'm, re- I'm really excited to see this offense. They scored 500 points last year. I mean, and I don't. Uh, I brought up the old line concerns because I just want to get it out of the way because I just want to spend the rest of this time gushing about how excited I am to watch it. It's going to be so much fun. Let's talk about the defense because yes. we obviously love the personnel on that side of the ball. To me, it's a question of how they're going to be deployed, right? It's another one of those instances where, well, if you play with light boxes, isn't that a good thing to do? Well, not if you don't have the solutions in the front <laughs> to stop people from running the ball on you. So that's kind of right. the concern is that that's how this team played over the last couple of years. So I think they're just kind of tweaking the thinking from some of the stuff they've been doing, but just a little bit different. And we just, I, th- I want to see them do some of the stuff we've seen from those other defenses, right? Like Joe Barry came over from the Rams staff. He is going to run some of that stuff. He's going to base in some of that stuff. That is what the bones of the Packers defense is going to be this year. And the idea of Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos running something like that, which I hear Alexander flipping the math on the back end and some of the ways we saw Jalen Ramsey do, And then to me, the question is what the front is going to look like, because they don't have a lot of those guys really built to play parallel to the line of scrimmage and eat up blocks in the way that some of the Rams players were. But do they think that eh, if we play like more of a penetrating front with some of those guys, can it still muddy up the picture in a way that allows us to play the way we want to on the back end? That's my big concern, because on the on the back end of the defense, I think you could easily imagine what we want it to look like and what it should look like based on players on the front end. It's a little bit harder for me to decipher, but I think that they have the talent to ultimately figure it out. Yeah, and we touched on it when we're watching we're doing the defenses to watch pod uh last week or yeah, last week. Um and, and that too is that you watch the Rams defense only rushing four, or you watch defenses over the years that rush four over and over and over, or it just didn't blitz a ton. Um, the Bucks defense of the early 2000s, your Bears defenses uh, of the mid mid aughts, all of the Seahawks defense running cover three, is they kind of won in all different ways up front. Uh, whether it be Warren Sapp shooting gaps or all that, the Seahawks defense rotating a whole bunch of pass rushers and just running all these games and just just like that's kind of how they had to do it. And I think with this defense, that's a, such a great point because they're not really space eaters. It's more a bunch yes. of guys that just like to 
blah, 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 and just shoot gaps and wreck stuff, make the O-line just feel awkward, basically, as opposed to maybe just, you know, occupying them and not letting them get north and climb to the second level. Um, so I think it's just going to be a different flavor. You know, I, I I think the talent's there. I think Kenny Clark's a hell of a player. Lowry, Dean Lowry has done some nice things. And then you got the outside guys with the Smith guys, you know, Zadarius and Preston Smith, like, being able to drop a little bit into coverage, which I've made fun of with Preston Smith, like why would you put him in coverage all the time? Some of that Rams defense, you know, uh, under Staley too, one of the best things they would do, and Fangio does this as well, is from those mint looks, those three down looks, is bringing just that one inside linebacker and dropping one of the ends. And all that does is almost testing the offense a little bit, the O-line and running back. Hey, are you lazy? That's kind of what they're doing. They're just kind of, it's just like, hey, it's a big moment or it's just a second along, you know, second along. All right. Offense probably run a safe pass to get six, seven yards. And then you just bring this pressure. So the old line's lulled to sleep. Oh, we're getting quarters. We're getting covered two here. All right. Easy, easy. And also you just bring a linebacker up the shoot, drop one of the ends and their whole slides messed up. Like they have been bringing that a little bit this past month. And that's what Oren Burks, linebacker 42 has been really excelling at. So I'm curious if they start using him a little bit on passing downs and that type of thing. I just think it's just going to be a different type of way to win. I think is the best way to put it with the Packers defense than what the Rams were doing, even if the shell of it all looks kind of the same. But that's the um, question, that, right? Is what does yeah. it look like as we're putting it onto these different types of players? You want it to look different. So the Rams can do some, I don't, I think the, this characterization of, well, they had Aaron Donald so they can, it, whatever they <laughs> no, did, it's not it. worth yeah. looking at. That's nonsense. Yeah. Like it, no, think about how the did they isolate Aaron Donald? Yes. How did they do? Yes. Yes. Look at the principle, the baseline principles, and then say, well, how are we going to steal the bodies back? I was talking yeah. to a coach yesterday and we we're talking about how, even if it doesn't look the same and the base defenses are different, what the Niners have done over the last couple of years and what the Rams did last year, the motivation behind it is the same. They're playing a lot of that show quarters on early downs mm-hmm. and the way that the Niners steal gaps back is that they just muddy it up by penetrating. They're just going to have those guys go as fast as possible. Tear their, <laughs> their ears back yeah. and just go deep into the backfield. And even if you're not playing parallel the way that the Rams do, you can still muddy the picture that way. So do the Packers look at the guys they have and say, if we're going to stunt the front but still want to penetrate, are we going to be able to accomplish the same things? So I think that's going to be their biggest question is, how are we going to have the mechanics in the front to steal some of this back and make it a little bit of a murkier situation and let our safeties play slow against the run, even if the back end is going to be able to look the same as the Rams could do it and all that other stuff. So I think that's going to be a huge question. All right. Yeah. Some categories to hit here. One guy on this team that you cannot wait to watch this season. I think it was pretty easy for me. And that's Darnell Savage. Same for me. Cause I want to see him in this defense. Yeah, just period. I mean, not just the Packers. I mean, NFL. I, I, I'm i very, very excited to watch Darnell Savage. I think he is going to take a huge leap in the national spotlight this year at the safety spot because I just think he's that dynamic of a player. And in a world where all you, it's these do-everything safeties, where positionally they're the same, and if you want to run this type of defense, you need guys who are going to be able to fill against the run. You need guys who are smart. You need guys who can cover. It, it's You can't be specialists anymore at that position. And he's not, he does everything well. And Amos is kind of the same way, right? Like they Mm -hmm. just, they're, they're such good fits for this type of philosophy defensively. And that's why I want to see them. Who do you think is the biggest X factor on this team heading into 2021? Oh man. I I didn't go with a player here. I went with defense. I went Joe Barry. That's fair. Uh, Yeah. And I just, I mean, honestly, because 
uh, I'll be a little negative here is uh, Joe Barry's defenses have been meh in the past, yeah. you know, when he's been at DC, but I'm optimistic, like you said, where they come from, they're going to take those ideas and maybe merge them. And I think he's a little sounder than what we've seen from the Packers defense the last couple of years, even though, you know, Penton did some cool stuff blitz wise and stuff. You know, we I've made a million jokes on this show about getting gashed in the run game. But that's, I think, is the biggest X factor is how is he going to highlight these players and what's it going to actually look like? And that's continuing where was Darnell Savage going to look like? What's this whole defense going to truly, truly look like? Even though we think we have an inkling of what it is going to be. But I, I just want to see what the, I think he's the biggest X factor is getting this defense going. I talked to him a couple of weeks ago and he was very open about the fact that Joe Barry's 51, I think. He's been in Lee for a long time. It's funny that you mentioned mm-hmm. the Bucks because he was on those staffs. In Tampa Bay in the early 2000s. And so we were talking about that and just all the different places he's been and how when he went to the Chargers with John Pagano, that's when he entered into the 3-4 world. And he doesn't really come from one place schematically. And so when he worked with Brandon Staley last year, he said, said, I'm not pigheaded enough to think that I know what's right and I can't learn. He's like, I'm 30 years into this and you're always picking up stuff here and there. So I'm curious to see what does he look like now that he gets this chance again, because that's what he told me. He said that I've, when you're an assistant, you kind of think about, all right, well, this and this, and when I get my chance again, what would it look like? And so I want to see what it would look like now that he's had these different, different experiences since his last time being a defensive coordinator. I'm going to stick on the defense with mine. It's Jair Alexander. That may sound weird because he's an all pro caliber player, but I think how much they can get out of him. And if they can really use him to flip the numbers on the back end in some of the ways we saw the Rams use Ramsey, what can it mean for the rest of their secondary? Because that's yeah. the other question about their personnel. How do those corner spots shake out? What what do those snaps look like? Does Eric Stokes play a lot? How much does Kenny King or how much does Kevin King play? Who plays the slot corner for them for most of the season? Those questions matter less if you're getting to devote a ton of bodies to that side of your coverage while Jerry Alexander locks down one total side of it by himself. So I think what they, cause he's never, we've never really seen him in that type of role nope. before, even if it's zone, he's going to be playing a lot of man like principles and he has a ton of man coverage traits. So yes, what can they get out of him? I think is a huge, huge question. All right. One reason the Packers will be better than we think. Uh, defense plays to their talent level in a sense to a top five. Like, and I think if they do that, Holy shit. <laughs> so like this this is gonna be a terrifying team. I did the exact same thing. I think the defense gets unlocked into a top five unit, gives them a chance to be like a truly special team if the offense stays as good as we think it can be. One reason they'll be worse. Uh it's actually a continuation of the X Factor thing. I mean, it's kind of all of this is that it looks like a Joe Barry defense of yesteryear and it, yeah. it comes unraveled and it's just mediocre and it's more average than a, a difference maker or if it, or it's up and down. Um O-line maybe possibly cropping up like some Bakhtiari doesn't stay get healthy. Uh, they're not able to have the the adjustments off of that. Some other guy, something the right tackle doesn't they don't have an answer at right tackle over time. You know, just any of those types of things crop up because I know we've seen it many of times. O-line can sink a whole season. So, you know, that might be might be one just a little little tiny inkling on there. All right. Let's get to the Minnesota Vikings. A team that I think both you and I spend way too much time thinking about. I what is the first thing on your mind here? I'm curious. Like, what is the first thing that comes to mind with you with this year's Vikings team? Oh my God. Like first thing, Amir Smith Marset. Uh, but no, it's <laughs> it's no, seriously. Like um 
first thing is I, I I mean I hate to like sound like a broken record. I want to see what the hell this offensive line looks like. Yeah, uh, I just I just that's really it because I think every Kirk's fine. Kirk's fine. You can win with Kirk. Like if you have a good team, you can win with Kirk. Kirk Cousins, um, running back wise, Dalvin Cook's top. He's on the podium. You know for for best running back in the league. I mean at least in the top four. Uh, I mean receiver wise, I love Justin Jefferson. I think everyone does. Uh, uh, Adam Thielen is a good number two. Like he's solid in that role. Irv Smith got banged up. So that's a little scary, but I was going to gush about him. He got banged up. Uh, but the whole line, I mean, just offensively, defensively, we'll talk about in a sec. But if you're talking about this whole team, I just like they've invested in it. It's they got to get something out of it now. You know, what I mean, they just got they got to look at least like not just tangible where it's like they're, they're cheering for competence at O-line at this point, <laughs> you know, and it's like how much they've invested in it. It's like, they, that should be a, a strength, you know, of that team. So that's, yeah, that's the first thing I always think of with the Vikings, which has kind of been uh, their story for a few years now. It's pretty brutal that they've invested as much as they have in that offensive line. And it could be a weakness, not a strength. Yeah. I mean, that that's a really hard to stomach. If you look at it right now, Ole Udo is their starting right guard. It was a six-round tackle from 2019. And then Rashad Hill was their starting left tackle because Christian Darisaw yeah. still hasn't practiced. So you, there was this world in May where everyone was like, oh, yeah, they picked Darisaw oh, yeah. in the first round. He'll start. And then Wyatt Davis will be their starting right guard. And they'll, the problems will be solved. It's all and, made sense. And none of that happened. <laughs> so that's the concern is that this was supposed to be something they fixed with the way they spent their draft capital this offseason, and it hasn't happened. So now you have a swing tackle starting at left tackle with no time on on when Darisaw could be back and still a question at one of those guard spots, which is just a perpetual issue for this team. And that's the problem is that if the offensive line takes a step back and the offense in turn takes a step back, where does it leave this team? Because this is a top 10 offense last year. Like they were incredibly efficient. They were very healthy on that side of the ball. So if this offense falls back to middle of the pack, which isn't, crazy for me to think about with offensive line concerns, maybe worse health luck and a new offensive play caller. Can the defense pick up the slack? And I don't know if they can, obviously they were so banged up last year. They finished 30th in adjusted games, lost on defense, no Michael Pierce all year, no Daniel Hunter all year, no bar for 14 games. We saw that they were just decimated. So now you get those guys back. You bring in Peterson and Brashad Breland as kind of stopgap corners, which we'll see how that works out for them. <laughs> I just don't know what to make of this team. Like there's a world, I guess, where getting all those guys back and kind of plugging those holes in the back end, you're thinking, oh, this is a Mike Zimmer defense. They can be a top 10 defense. But is that unreasonable? I really don't know what the outlook should, for this unit should be. I don't either. Yeah. On defense, like I, I Mike, like my big key point for them is they just got to get to third down. That's that's the key to a Mike Zimmer defense is get to third down and don't let it be third and three or shorter, like third, four plus. <laughs> that's the key to this defense. They were a mess last year, right? Like we mess. can all admit yeah. they were a mess. Third in defensive EPA for play on third down. Third. Of course. Third. Of course. Since Mike Please Zimmer took over. His ass up. Since Mike Zimmer took over, they are number one in the NFL. The gap between them and the Patriots at number two is the same as the gap between the Patriots and the Texans at number seven. Like that's, that's how much crazy. That's how much better they are. They have been on third down because third down efficiency typically isn't sticky, right? Except if you're a Mike Zimmer. So it's crazy how good they are in those scenarios. And then, yep. I mean, I can build the case, right? You get Hunter back. You have a pretty 
an intriguing group of interior defensive linemen, right? Like yeah. The way that Sheldon Richardson, Dalvin Tomlinson, and Michael Pierce fit together, I, I like the idea of that. And then you can see I, the vision. Yes. You can see the vision. <laughs> I also, so I talked to Carl Scott for a while last week, who's their defensive backs coach who came from Alabama. Mm-hmm. And I was just asking him, you know, what sort of principles from Alabama's defense that did you feel like you guys could fold in? What were those conversations like? And he said, it's not a lot of new stuff. It's essentially, oh, we call that this. And just thinking about all the different types of split safety coverages and modifications on it, they can run. But when I brought up Dalvin Tomlinson, he just kind of smiled. It's like, yeah, I wasn't upset when they signed that guy because he's the type of guy that can eat two, two gaps. He can control bodies in the front and so can Pierce. So what is that going to allow them to do on the back end? And that's I'm, that's what I want to see is like what tiny wrinkles are they going to throw at us this year now that they're a little bit healthier on that side of the ball? I still have a lot of faith in what Mike Zimmer can potentially do with this group. Yeah, I do too. I'm always... I don't think they're the best team in the league again, but no, I think no. that they can be pretty good. But yeah, it's... It, do some shit. Yeah. And even as far as, you know, Belichick and, and Saban have, especially Saban has been, you know, the passing defense guru and all that DB play, DB play. It's hilarious how their defenses over the years have always needed a nose. Like they love having a traditional space eater. Like they just do. It doesn't matter how much, even if he plays 12 snaps, it's like they love having that guy on the field. And so, of course, having Tomlinson just makes a lot of sense, especially if he wants to run something. Like you said, that it's funny what you said. Oh, we just call that that. That's why I do like so many times everyone's like, man, that's a new concept. And it's like, well, it's funny. It's like, that's all go. That's dancer. That's trolley. That's, you know, all, you know, like just. You just have to translate it. It's English to Spanish a little bit. Not even that. It's more like dialects, like American English and British English. <laughs> but it's it's kind of this defense. That's why I Zimmer's always going to make him look the best they can look, whatever his talent level is. He's going to get the most value, especially on third down. And we, why we, we keep bringing up the third down stuff is because Zimmer brings awesome pressures, and he is one of, if not the best, at knowing O-line rules and O-line protection rules and QBI rules and where they look at for safety stuff. He knows more than better than anyone how to manipulate that and get you guessing wrong and just getting free runners. That's why we're gushing about that. And that's why having maybe some ruggedness in the middle, especially against the run, will help them get to maybe where they can get more third and fives, third and sevens, third and nines, as opposed to third and ones, third and twos, or first downs on first and second down. Like you said, and they still have Harrison Smith and they still have, you know, uh, uh, a linebacker. They still got um, Eric Kendricks. Like they still have like a couple players there that can like do some shit. So that's what's great about this defense. It's just that they got to get there. They uh, Who's going to cover anybody on the outside? Hopefully I, I do see, like you said, I'm optimistic Mike Zimmer is going to get the most out of what they have there. So, but then I just don't know what's going to look like. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know what this flavor of this defense is going to look like. And then that's the thing is like. It just feels like this team is always the Vikings, at least in the last couple of years. It's just like they're one injury away from just being like bad. You know, it just always feels like they're teetering on that edge. And I especially offensively, they've been especially really the top heavy. I mean, the, and they've been really top heavy and they have not drafted well. I mean, the Justin Jefferson yeah. pick is obviously amazing, but you look at the cornerback position specifically, right? Oh Think about God. what's happening. Yeah. Obviously, the Jeff Gladney thing is an entirely different situation. But even beyond Jeff Gladden, you have Mike Hughes, you have Trey Waynes, you have multiple yep. first-round picks that just aren't on this team anymore. And that's yep. the problem is that the underlying talent has not been developed over the last three or four years, and it's really come back to bite them. And they just they just don't have much in-house depth whatsoever. And it's made it a fragile situation. One or two things go wrong, 
and they're in a huge amount of trouble. And that's the same this year. They have no defensive back depth. If one of those guys gets hurt, and it's not oh, even yeah. a strong group to begin with, if one of those guys gets hurt, they're in really big trouble. If Justin Jefferson goes down for any amount of time, for as much as we love Amir Smith-Marset, that is going to be a problem. And that's mm-hmm. where this team is. Offensively, we expect them to run the same shit. I mean, I, he yeah. literally shares a, a, a last name with the guy who called plays last year. But I also think you have to take into account how well schemed up this offense has been over the last two years. You had Kevin Stefanski two years ago, and you have Gary Kubiak last year. Even if we're optimistic about what Clint can do in his first year doing this, it's his first year doing this. He's taken over yeah. from two guys who are upper echelon offensive play callers, yeah. and that's always a question. The, last, the other thing I want to ask you about the offense, where do you stand on Kirk Cousins? I don't think we've ever had like an extended Kirk Cousins conversation. He, it's funny. He's firmly in that above average, like, you know, like that kind of like 14 range for me, like, but it's hilarious that like him, Jimmy G, Derek Carr, and like Tannehill is a better version of it, but it's like, kind of like, they all kind of like feel the same to me. They feel samey. I, I think cousins is an assistant that works for him because whenever cousins gets into like a two minute situation, this is where it's so important to have a QB, go get you a freaking bucket. That's what Kirk cousins is biggest blemish i think for me is is like he can't consistently just create it all has to be perfect for him and so i think that's what my biggest negative if he has some good talent around him o-line he could deal with some bad o-line because he can make it work because he has good pocket movement stuff but it's like he needs help he he needs help to maybe ascend make that offense a top 10 offense like it was last year that's why talking about Justin Fields, talking about any quarterback, why I'm so I hang up on it is like going to get a bucket. It's because all these things that we've talked about, the O-line not being great, the team being one injury away, having no depth at receiver. That's why a freaking quarterback that can go do shit like helps. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it makes all that, it makes that the, the, that those pills to swallow just a little less, like it doesn't hurt as bad. That's like, Oh, our right guards out. Well, you know, we still got, you know, Patrick Mahomes back there. Oh, our, our, we're on our third string receiver. Yeah, well, Patrick Mahomes is throwing the ball. You know, those that's that Josh Allen's throwing the ball. That's why having those types of guys matters so much. So I don't know. I uh, long story short, I'm fine with Kirk. He's not my favorite quarterback in the world, but I think he's like firmly in that kind of above average. He's like just it's almost like the Mendoza line for quarterback play. Like he's just he's just above that, but he's like kind of in that little realm of quarterbacks that are like that. All right, let's run through some of these categories here. For the Vikings, one guy you cannot wait to watch this season on the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I think I've telegraphed this so much, but it's Amir Smith Marset, <laughs> and I'm dead serious. I I really do think he could be a fun player. I'm not saying he can be a star, top five player, top ten receiver kind of thing, but like mark a good player in the league. I am excited to watch him. I really am. If you want more of a serious answer, I'm I'm excited to watch um uh, Brian O'Neill. And I want to see him maybe take another leap forward at the right tackle position. He's becoming more refined. He was more of an athlete coming into the league. He actually went to Pitt right after I left there. He was a tight end from Delaware, I believe. And then we got a converted tackle. And that's why he's caught some, like, he caught some touchdowns, I think, in college, like, like throwbacks and stuff. So um, I'm excited to watch Brian O'Neill uh, maybe uh, the season ascend a little bit. So the Vikings last year used three wide receivers on 36% of their snaps, three or more wide receivers, 36%, yeah. which was by far the lowest mark in the entire league. Irv Smith might be out for the year. So and Irv Smith might be out for the year. There is an opening for your boy, Amir Smith-Marset. If they want to get three receivers on the field a little bit more often 
and not live where Jack Conklin is their third. Was it no Tyler Conklin? Tyler Conklin. My, yeah. Gotta get my Conklin straight. <laughs> Tyler Conklin is their number three pass catcher. Maybe there's a world where Amir Smith Marset makes some stuff happen. I, th- I think there's gonna be a lot of screens too <laughs> coming up on third downs with the Vikings. My answer is Justin Jefferson. I know that's not interesting. I just have spent. I actually talked to Justin Jefferson when I was in Minnesota and just where he goes in year two. I mean, obviously he's already a really good player. We're not talking about, we're not teaching you guys about Justin Jefferson by mentioning here at this point, but I just think the way he plays the position is so unique and the way his body moves, sort of the way he approaches it, talking to some people there about just the nuances and kind of idiosyncrasies of the way he plays receiver. I just can't wait to watch it again. I mean, I feel like he is such an ascending, thrilling guy in the league. On a slightly lower level, I'm excited to watch Dalvin Thompson. We mentioned it, just what he is for this defense, the way that he uses them, that front in general, just how those interior guys work for this team to Neil Hunter being back. I'm really interested in that group. All right. Who is in your mind, the biggest X factor on the Vikings this year? It's going to be kind of a, I I just, I want to see if he can get anything out of him. It's Patrick Peterson. And I I want to see if Mike Zimmer and Patrick Peterson can be a fun pairing as like in this next chapter of Peterson's career. Um, He's kind of been a guy living on his reputation, maybe the last couple of seasons. I I was definitely last season and maybe he started tailing off the season before that. He's still Patrick Peterson. You know, he still has some, some flash moments, some good plays. And um, I I think that like, I want to see him maybe with, you know, more of a, a, this type of coach that maybe he hasn't had in his past, but he, he has, but just different ways. They, you know, Todd Bowles, it was more like man aggressive stuff, but uh, yeah, I just want Patrick Peterson. He's more of an X factor other than, other than that, it'd be the offensive line. Uh, obviously I mean, that's for obvious reasons, but we've spilled enough uh, vocal ink on them so far. So I would say Patrick Peterson. I can't wait to see what he's like in that defense, in a defense yeah. where he's not playing as much man as the Cardinals played last year. I mean, he's going from a team that played one of the highest rates of man coverage in the NFL to one of the lowest rates of man mm-hmm. coverage in the NFL. So if there are some coverages that can maybe hide him a little bit yep. more than he was last year. And he told I actually talked to him when I was there as well. And he told me that a lot of the principles of the Van Joseph defense before last year overlap with some of the stuff that Zimmer does. So he's comfortable with it. Makes so sense. if, Let's see how comfortable he is and whether or not that approach to defense is going to be a little bit more conducive to his success than it would have been last year with the, with the Cardinals. Uh, he's one of those guys. He's only 31. Oh, my God. And so when I sat down with him, in my mind, he's older than me because yeah. he's been in the NFL for 11 years. He's been in yeah. the league for longer than I've covered the league, but he's actually three years younger than me. So that dynamic definitely seeped into our conversation where I was kind of like, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, just teach me all this stuff. It was really that's funny. Amazing. I know you, it's like a weathered veteran at thirty. Exactly. I mean, that's that's the thing with corners too. Is they they once they hit thirty, they can fall off a cliff. Some of them. 100%. So it's like so it's like you you sometimes these guys you, they they don't age gracefully, so you kind of don't get to enjoy their thirties because they're usually not don't have a job. So, uh, but that is funny. I, I've gotten into those moments now. I'm right at that age, thirty two, where now guys are like. Like Kevin Durant, they're like, hey, as he's entering the last stage of his career, you know, I'm like, he's a year older than me. Oh, God. Like, he's only, he graduated in 06 in high school. That's, that's getting way too real. Talking about him and like Hall of Fame and all that type of stuff. I didn't even get realize Kevin Durant was 32. That's, we're all just getting so old. I think he's 33. I think he's a year on me, but yeah, that's, that's, all right. That's one that always gets me. Mine, I think you mentioned the offensive line. Mine's Christian Derrissaw. If, if they can nice. get something out of him, I mean, that just solves such a huge problem. If he can be somebody, obviously there's a huge 
barrier to that right now. It, being healthy, it, it's tough to be a good left tackle as a rookie when you've had all the practice time. Now it's a really difficult bar for him to clear, but if they can get anything out of him and just solve that spot, it goes a long way in that offensive line being better than it looks right now. All right. One reason the Vikings will be better than we think in 2021. It's funny because we got to it before I met you. This was supposed to be my moment where I talked about Zimmer's third and long defenses, but I was going to (laughs) say the Vikings defense looks like a Zimmer defense and the offense played like they did last year. And that's kind of what, that's I think their special formula. It's they stay healthy and that defense becomes a, a difference maker. Like we've talked about the Bears. And I was saying I was kind of iffy like where it's at. If this defense, if things break right, there is a path to them being kind of like a really fun, interesting defense with a coach that's going to really wield them um, in a really fun way. So I, I just that's the path, I think, to their success, to being like a really fun wildcard team and and maybe make, maybe win a game in the playoffs. But that's a small path. I said Zimmer has the pixie dust still. He, he can sprinkle some of that on there. Nice. One reason they'll be worse. Only O-line looks like they're in shambles. And the de- defense looks like how it did last year, where it was like it. they just didn't have answers. Like they had no strength to lean on. And, but it's one reason is really the O-line still looks in shambles, where it's just at the times that Kirk Cousins does to drop back and they can't rely on a boot game, it, it's just like they can't hold up. And the guards are getting pushed back right into Cousins' lap, which we've seen that story numerous times the last few years. So I, I could see that being worse. But I don't know if that's expected or unexpected if the O-line plays not, not so good. I mean, this is a top 10 offense last year. If the wheels yeah. just totally fall off, what does that mean? Not only for this season, but beyond. Because I think that's yeah. the biggest thing hanging over all of this. We talked about it with Chad Graff when he was there on last week after I was there. Who knows what's going to happen if this team goes six and eleven, and it really craters where they go from here. Even if they go five hundred and miss the playoffs, or one game under five hundred and miss the playoffs, is that it? Is that yeah. it for Mike Zimmer? Do they see? Do in their minds do they think we need to start over? We we just need yeah. a fresh start here. I absolutely could see that. So yeah, I mean, did, there's a lot the, at stake. We did the coaching crossroads. I mean, it's like almost like a franchise crossroads year for them. Yeah. I mean, it just really is. It, it, they could go in so many different directions after this season. It's kind of how the Falcons felt last year a little bit, but like yeah. in a kind of a different, little different flavoring. But yeah, kind of a similar type of feeling where it's like, this is a launch point into something else <laughs> this 2021 season. Are you excited for the the Vikings to pull Falcons and restructure Kirk Cousins' contract and give him like a $60 million cap hit a couple of years oh, from no. now? And then trade Justin Jefferson. No, they would do that. But they would never in a million years. Let's get to our fourth team here, the Detroit Lions. I want to. Here's where I want to start with this. What interests you about the Detroit Lions? Like when a Lions game comes on, just randomly, red zone. If you just if it's you got one more spot and you just decide, yeah, I'll, I'll throw Lions, whoever Lions Vikings up there. What yeah. interests you about them? What are you going to be looking for? Okay, because this is a, a blank slate team. Yeah, that's a good way to frame it. Uh, well, the theatrics of Dan Campbell, yeah. uh, but it's I just want to see him on game day. Maybe he's a savant like with game management. We just had no idea, and like you know, <laughs> shit like that. Like all of a sudden, he's just doing like never punting or some shit. Like we're just like, yeah. Um, there's a couple of just intriguing players. Some good, some like whatever. Like good is like Trey Flowers. You know, I I really want to see him in a non Patriots type defense. You know, not one that kind of leans on that. With 
pushing the pocket and that types of things, which let him excel. I've always been a big fan of his. Um, also, just seeing what the defense looks like. Um, you know, Brockers over there, Akora. So they got some fun. The D line, I guess, is a good way to sum that up. But also, like, I want to see is Jeff Okuda a real corner? Yeah. Like, that's a real big question mark. I was high on him. And, you know, he plays more like his time speed than his game speed. You know, like that. He played Ohio State. He was banged up. Um, but that's another guy I'm very curious. If we're going into just kind of other little things, of course, Sewell, I want to see how he excels on the right side. I know he's had some struggles, but I'm not too concerned. He hasn't played in a year. He's athletic. He's going to be fine. Just going from lefty to righty and pass sets can be hard. It's just a little harder than going forward. You're going backwards. Just backpedal and go right only and you can see the difference between left and right only and then also just a couple i have another rookie i liked is jamar jefferson who's a uh a running back from oregon state mm-hmm. i really liked him i think he might have had some injury stuff but he's not the most explosive guy but i love those alfred morris type zone runners <laughs> like i'm such a sucker for him oh my god i, I am too i really I, am too you had four six and vision i'm gonna love you like i don't need you to be a freak I, I, yeah so like he's he's that type of guy i'm not saying he's gonna be a star or anything but i think it'd be good fun and of course quintess cephas <laughs> i mean that's i really do think their whole receiver core this is kind hey, of fun they released rashad perriman man quintess cephas has got a role now Cephas for the rest of us, uh, but it's that doesn't even rhyme. But it's the but with him, it's I. They have like a, a lot of number like four types on their roster at the receiver. Khalif Raymond do, is on this team. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, it's that kind of team. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's those type of guys. Not even super role players. Just truly isolated role guys. But I do think he's a he's a ball winner. He he looks like he's playing quick. I don't know if he's slimmed down or something, but I am high on him. I think he could be a good number two in this league. And I, so that is a guy that I'm curious to watch this season. I think he could excel. It starts on the defense with me. And if we're talking personnel, it's the defensive line. I want to see what those two picks look like. Levi Wanzarike and then Aline mm-hmm. McNeil. They like McNeil. They nice. are excited about what he looks like and him just pushing people around. And then obviously you have Brockers there. So talking about those types of bodies that can just eat guys up up front and just yeah. eat blocks. They have some of those guys. And then beyond the personnel, what it looks like schematically. I talked with Aaron Glenn for a while when I was there and I was asking him, where do you kind of pull inspiration from? Like, where did you look to get some ideas for how you wanted to run this when you got your chance? Because you know this, assistants just bide their time. They kind of file stuff away. It's like, oh, when I get to be the coordinator, I, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do some of that. They have little folders yes. on, on, their, on, their, on their flash drive. It's never on the hard drive. It's on the flash drive. They have a little <laughs> folder. Yep, yep. So he was telling me that he really likes a lot of stuff that Dave Aranda does. If you look at some of the front yeah. structures and everything else, a lot of those guys borrow from Dave Aranda, who's a college coach. He's at yes. Baylor now? Baylor. Head coach yes. at Baylor. He's, He's head coach at Baylor LS, now. LS defense coordinator at LSU the last few years. And then before that, uh, he was Wisconsin defense coordinator for a few years and uh, came over with Gary Anderson when he went from Utah State to Wisconsin. Yeah, but no, awesome stuff. Yeah, so I'm excited to hear this. So he was mentioned Dave Aranda said that I was like, what about Aranda? He said, I love the way they communicate. Just like the way that they foster communication within their defenses. I've always found interesting. And he said, a lot of the too high stuff is from Fangio. He played for Fangio when they were Fangio's with the Texans, which I actually didn't know about. So he loved the Fangio stuff when he played for Vic. And then when they were in New Orleans and I think 2018, Mm -hmm. he went to Dennis Allen and said, I think we could really do well with some of this stuff. Like if we play it out of this too high shell a little bit more often, here's some of the things I think we could pull off. Here's how I think we could steal back bodies in the run game. And they started doing more of it. 
So yeah. he is a big believer in that approach to defense. And then they obviously, they brought in Aubrey Pleasant, who was the Rams cornerbacks coach to be their passing game coordinator. Makes so sense. just what all of that looks like with the bodies up front, I'm curious. And then what do the young corners look like? Obviously Jeff Okuda and his success would go a long way for this team. And then Mo Fonwu, who they picked in the third round, you know, they have a bunch of young guys. How does that room shake out and can Pleasant and that staff get the most out of them? And do they have two or three guys emerge from what is kind of a crowded room in a bad way to <laughs> look like long-term building blocks? Because that's what this is. I mean, we've yeah. talked about this. That's what this team is trying to do right now. It's trying to identify pieces for the long-term. Who can we build with? You hope Romeo Aquara is that. They gave him the contract this offseason, obviously. But other than that, there aren't that many That's guys you would identify. Yeah. There aren't that many people you'd say, I know for certain this guy will be on the roster in two years. And that's how much of a rebuild, especially on defense, this team was having to deal with. And I think you're right. On offense, I want to see what Sewell looks like. And it's it's rough that it's been so difficult for him thus far. I mean, it's not surprising. Like you said, he hasn't played in a year. He's switching positions. I do think he'll figure it out, but for them to do anything offensively, I think that group of five up front really needs to come together and play well so they can just sit sit there and run the ball because that is going to be the thing that they could do in an above average clip. And if he's really struggling from the start and that doesn't get fixed quickly, then what we thought was the strength of this team suddenly becomes just another question mark. Yeah. And one good thing is, I mean, there are some question marks on what exactly an Anthony Lynn offense looks like, but I do what it is was and with the Bills, my like little snapshot of it was a lot of boots and a lot of a lot of zone. You know, just a lot of running the ball and a lot of. I guess what they had a quarterback that ran a lot of boot stuff <laughs> with the Rams, so he's used to moving a little bit. But what that does is it alleviates some strain on O line. You know, it's that's the yeah. if you run solid run game, you know, at least mentally and also. I was mentioning it just a second ago was that moving to the right side or switching sides or going from right to left, that's harder going backwards. You know, it's easier. It's, it's still the same basically going forward. Yeah. There's some footwork stuff, but yeah, but it's a little bit easier going forward. So I think they're going to build about running the, or build around running the ball. Like we haven't even mentioned DeAndre Swift. Um, you know, hopefully you can you know, stay healthy. We've mentioned uh, Jamal Williams before as a great, he's more of a role playing type, but he's a big back or at least plays with size or plays strong. Um, so it's kind of, you kind of know what their identity is going to be. And I don't think Dan Campbell is really hiding. I don't think Dan Campbell goes in there going like, Hey, we're going to spread them out and we're going to chuck it 52 times. <laughs> and you know what we're going to do on defense? We're, I don't care if they run the ball on us. We're going to, we're going to just gash and we're going to run blitzes. And Hey, if they score quick, it's okay. We get the ball back quicker. No, I think Dan Campbell is going to be pounding that rock. So um, it makes sense. Kind of their makeup. The whole line is more, it's kind of like a bees list, but it, it's not bad. You know, it's not like, oh, like it's fine. It's passable. Like if they want to run the ball and run gore more boot stuff and not a ton of play action with Jared Goff, or I'm sorry, not a ton of drop back with Jared Goff and more play action stuff, it makes a lot of sense. That they're kind they of have the bodies to do it. I mean, if yes, Sewell ends up being good as a rookie, <laughs> I mean, you look at it, like Ragnow is a top flight center. Yes. Decker is a fine left tackle. Jonah Jackson played well last year as a rookie. Yes. He's a promising player. Vitae makes sense as a guard, maybe more than he does as a right tackle. And then you have Sewell and the promise that he potentially brings. It can be a good unit. And I think the combination of Swift and Williams with those five, if it comes together, they'll be able to run the ball, hopefully. 
if teams just sit there and say, we're going to put 10 guys in the box, we dare you to throw it. We'll see how it ends up working. But you can see the identity. You can see the vision and why it makes sense with this group. Yeah. And that's also, if they do do that, then that becomes a question of the receivers is who can win one-on-one. <laughs> so that's Quintus that's Cephas, obviously. The Quintez Cephas, ball winner. We'll, we'll see. He's going to be the most exciting 700 yards you'll ever see <laughs> this season. Yeah. I, I don't know how many live Lions games I'll be watching if they're not playing the Bears. But I, when I go back and I watch during the week, I will start with their defense, see what it looks like, and then go from there. By week four, maybe there's nothing to watch there, but I am yeah. going to be interested in it by the, when the season starts. All right. Yes. One guy you cannot wait to watch on the Detroit Lions this year. This might be a little <laughs> bit more difficult than the other ones. Yeah, but <laughs> more than Cephas, I, I would actually, I am really excited to watch Sewell and and just see him play as an NFL. Because he was so touted early on that a lot of eyes have been on him, much like a quarterback. He won trophies very early on. He was out in trophy winner. And then he sits out a year. And then it's kind of so it's kind of that unknown is how how does he ascend? He's so young too. So it's like I'm really excited to just see his rookie year because I think it's gonna be maybe early on there might be some struggles, but after the bye, especially, I think also we're gonna be like really see some pop plays happen uh more rapidly as the season goes on. I'm sticking with their rookie class too. I want to watch the tackles, McNeil and Ozarike. I just, they clearly had a vision when they were going through this class. They wanted guys that could push people around on offense yep. and defense and how that comes to define the early stages of their defense. That's what I want to watch. Biggest X factor for you. Uh, Jeff Kuda. And that is, I mean, kind of we'll talk about Patrick Peterson, but the flip side, it's more is what can you do? And he is a long corner. I thought he had good ball skills coming out of Ohio state. I was I was like he's the top ten pick like I I didn't blink an eye when he went in the top ten it was just that the one question was can he handle long speed can he handle like the true athletes and that's what you want with a top ten quarter you want a guy that can keep up with anybody and that's kind of what's been a little concerning to me is that he just doesn't have that he doesn't play fast like it's not like he he's like almost scared to pull a trigger a little bit at this point in time I'm still. It's a it's corner position. It's one of the hardest positions for any person to play on the football field. So I still I'm not like damning him already saying he's done, but it's just a guy I'm really curious to watch throughout this entire season. I'm hoping that I still I still think he has a chance to be fine. It's just a guy I'm really hoping that he could still be fine because there were some a little concerning moments last year. We talk about situation all the time and how much it matters for players. Can you imagine a worse situation oh than being a corner who maybe your cor- your confidence is a little bit shaky at the beginning of the season? You get dropped into one of the two or three most man-heavy systems in the entire NFL, and your first couple games you got to play against Devontae Adams and Justin Jefferson, and it's, yep. it could go south in a hurry, and you could never regain that confidence because playing man is a it's about confidence. It is. It's about, you have to understand and believe that you can stick with anybody that you're going to play against. And you have to have just authority with the way that you move. And if you're in your head, even a little bit, things can start to unravel in a big way. And I think that's what happened. I mean, I don't know, but that'd be, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happened with him last year and yeah. moving to a different system where he doesn't have to play that way. It, it, I just think that there are a lot of reasons that you could talk yourself into this working out for the better, even after last year. Yeah, uh, no, that's a great point. We've talked about how that defense can be healthy, like it can help out, like you can get help in the sense that you have a safety helping you, not true clouded over the top. Sometimes, yeah, 
but also just a shaded or a linebacker shaded with you. A true man system like he got thrown into as a rookie. And not only that, he was asked to be the number one corner. Yes. It wasn't like they had him and they had other, you know, Trufant got hurt and whatever they had else going on. And it was just like, hey, you got everybody. You, you go. <laughs> you got this guy right here. And it's like, that is that is unbelievably tough for anybody. And doing that day one, like you just said, is just so hard. So it is a it is a confidence position. I mean, all sports is sports is so much about confidence, but totally. especially especially those types of or types of it's a it's an individual battle in a team sport, playing corner in a man system. Like it's it is a pitcher going against a hitter, just like that can change confidence. It's the same thing for them. It is a battle throughout the game if the guy is playing man throughout the game, and so that's why you have three bad weeks in a row. It's like, can I even play at this level? Cause you don't have the past experience of coming in and dominating at that level. Like some of these other guys do when they go through tough times, like a slump for a baseball hitter. And I think that's a really, really good analogy because you have to be able to trust what you're seeing. And you have, to, when you're a hitter, you have to put, break it up into little chunks, right? Like yeah. I, my guess is this is what's he, what he's going to do based on what, he's done based on all of this other stuff. You're trying to play the math. And if you're not confident in what you're seeing and it can just go south so quickly mm-hmm. because these receivers know, like they understand if you <laughs> give them anything, it. that's exact. If they, you give them anything, they're going to know how to take it, especially the really good ones. And yeah. Devonte Adams is the best one. And <laughs> you talk to Justin Jefferson for five minutes. He knows what he's looking for. I mean, th- yeah. this is a guy in that Chicago. Has- they have a guy named Alan Robinson. Like, yes, who's going to smoke you if you if you play man on him all game. So it's I can completely understand how that would happen. And hopefully yeah. we see a little bit better version of him in year two. For me, it's Jared Goff. I mean, obviously it might be too obvious. He's the quarterback, but <laughs> what he does and just how viable he is as an option outside of the Rams and outside of what we've seen him in over the the majority of his career. I don't think he's going to be a great quarterback, but even if he can just play a little bit, that combined with what we think could be a good offensive line, a solid running game. So are they a watchable offense? I mean, I think that comes down for the most part to what he gives them. Going with their entire, like just the look of what they want to do. It, it's like him dropping back. I, I like, is that because uh, I want uh, his answer, like Jared Goff is going to be my answer for something else too. Uh, but it's like with that, it's, I want to see him like in a drop back game, a true drop back game. When he was in college at Cal, it was all vertical. It was four verts air yeah. raid. It was mesh and verts. I mean, they ran over and over 120 plays of it. I hated it. And in that, <laughs> but you just got to see him. You just got to, it sucked because I didn't get to watch golf all the time. You had to watch a guard. And it just sucked. They're like water falling. It was just, it was just really bad. Uh, but yeah, but anyways, in that he was just slicing. Down. It was like Matt Ryan. He was just hitting seam balls over and over and pushing some out throws. And I want to see him maybe just operating in a system. That's maybe some true drop back concepts. Cause as much as I love McVay's stuff, his situational stuff can be very much. You are going to this guy. I am dialing up this route and you are going to him. Just how we've joked about Kyle Shanahan doing that. Like he's the joist. He likes the quarterback to be the joystick basically that he controls. Like same thing with McVay. Just that's how they like to do it. They're like, they trust their shit to open guys up and you just have to read the coverage and go there. Um, So I'm just curious to see him in more of a traditionally NFL offense, especially with Brunel and Dan Campbell and Anthony Lynn. I'm just curious. And Mark Brunel was the quarterback coach there. He walked past me when I was in Detroit. I did not expect to see Mark Brunel that day. I totally forgot that he was there. I mean, mean, their whole 
do Staley. I mean, just like the whole Antoine uh, Randall L. <laughs> just like, Hey, you wish it was night. Nice. Yeah. It was like partying like it's 2001. Like, but it's that, that's what it is though. It's like, they have a very player friendly system. So it's like, I want to see what Jared Goff looks like in that system. That's going to be more looking like an offense probably from that time period. All right. Give me one reason that the lions will be better than we think they might be. Um, just like they might, we've talked about it, touched about the personnel they're going after. If they're actually able to move some people up front on both sides of the ball and they play passable on both sides of the ball. And it's kind of one of those things where maybe they aren't the best team in the world winning 10, 11 games, but it's more like it's a, a feisty seven and 10, you know, like more like at that look. I think that's the I think, I think seven and 10 is pretty optimistic. That's, 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 that's the, that's the high end for them. <laughs> um, but yeah, but that's kind of what. That's they. I think for any Lions fan, it's just you're looking for flashes of a couple players and then competitive ball. That's it. I think when the Dolphins were tanking, the 49ers sucked in Shanahan's first year. All you're looking was Jesus. Everybody's competing, even though this team sucks. That's yes. what you're looking for. Well coached ball. So I think that's a win for any Lions fan. Yeah, I think it's the, the running game is just good from the start. The Lion coalesces and they can just run the ball and they have one thing that they can consistently turn to. That would be it for me. And the defensive line is also a good answer. One reason they can be worse. I'm not even trying to be mean. I don't think they can be worse than I expect them to be. I mean, I expect them to be the worst team in the NFC and maybe the worst team in the league. And that's what they should be, right? That's okay. It's wins and losses here are not important. It's what we, what they look like. The only thing they, the only reason they can be worse than I might expect is that they look listless and lost and terribly coached, and no one gives a shit. That would that's be worse it. than I would expect. That's that's a good way to put it. They, you got to remember, they didn't just trade Stafford and Goff, Stafford and Goff straight up. They got those picks too. Like they, yes, you got to see the the vision of what the this franchise is going. So what you're saying is they, the the like where we're talking about probabilities of where everyone could go. The path for them to be in like the worst team is pretty. It's a large one. Uh, there's a couple other ones there, but they're they're up there. They're one of the favorites to be the worst. But uh, but yeah, I. I the real what I stated was just Goff looks even worse outside of McVay. No one can get open. They load the box. Defense can't stop anyone through the year, and every game turns into a stop fest. And like you said, no one looks well coached. It's kind of more like aimless, listless. Oh, this is really bad. That's that's the worst. That's one reason they'll get worse and how it could look worse. But I think what they've done so far is they're just trying to be passable <laughs> and accumulate some picks and go from there. They I mean, it's, it's really starting over really just yeah, tearing it down. It's starting hard over. reset, hard reset. And I think it's right. needed. I think it's fine. I think you know, when your franchise like that, go for it. Screw it. Hey, lean into it. <laughs> I totally agree. All right. It's about that time. Who was winning the NFC North? I'm going with the green Bay Packers. I, this uh, was, it's going to be one of the easier ones. I, it I is. really do think so. I, I try to go devil's advocate. I try to look at point differential. I try to look at anything that it's like, hey, they're gonna they're gonna fall away. And it's like, no, I think even if their defense doesn't ascend and they stay more or less the same and their offense stays more or less the same, maybe even takes a half step back, that's still a damn good team. And some of those young players that are still on rookie contracts are gonna, I think, take another half leap or leap forward this year. I think it could be just a dynamite team. And Aaron Rodgers is an, is an FU mode. So could be good. Could be really good in Green Bay this year. <laughs> Maybe not all all sunshine and roses though. Uh, yeah, this is an easy one for me. Outside of a Rogers injury, it's hard to imagine them not being the best team in the division. I, there's a world where the Vikings, everything just falls into place, and maybe there's a scenario where Fields is just electric from day one. It helps unlock a version of the Bears' offense we didn't expect. 
you know, Peter stays healthy, the line is fine, and then they get the most out of the defense. But uh, again, those outcomes, the band is just so narrow. You have to thread that needle with these teams. With the Packers, just throw a dart. Any so any one of their outcomes is probably better than what we're going to see in Minnesota and uh, in Chicago. So I'm going with the Packers as well. All right, buddy. That is all we got. Division preview number one in the books. You'll be back next week to do, I honestly can't remember which division. I think it's AFC North. AFC so North. There we go. King, King of the North. There we go. <laughs> I got it. You will be back next week. You're the only person that is doing two division previews. So you should wow. feel just very wow. special in this moment. All right, guys. That's all we got today. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. Please rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Also, please subscribe to The Athletic. I'm writing later this month. We have tons of great NFL preview stuff coming your way. You can go read Shields Playbook. I've been reading a ton of that over the last couple of days. You can only get that with a subscription. So please go check that out. Theathletic.com slash football show. We will be back tomorrow the very special guest. So hopefully you guys can come back and check that out. Until then, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was the Athletic Football Show.